Hey, Kansas City. Welcome to episode 41 of the Made in Casey podcast. We are now in day 45 of the stay-at-home order. I'm Tyler Enders. I'm Keith Bradley. And I'm Thomas McIntyre. Today is our prediction episode. We'll be issuing some predictions and forecasts for different economic sectors. Hey guys, happy Thursday. I just got back from a refreshing roll around the block on my rollerblades. Nice. Any uh, any scary moments yet? Any uh, almost wipeouts? Uh, not yet. The, the most unstable I was was walking from the grass onto some very messed up pavement. So it was like when you're going slow, you know, you don't have the momentum to help balance. But no, all good. I got some funny looks, a nice wave. It's good. You're definitely noticeable when you're cruising by on rollerblades. Yeah. Nice. Did no, you, we. Did you, <laughs> did, I was going to ask you went down off down that closed part of the street and just cruise on cruise on down. That's pretty much where I hang out the whole time. Not all the streets in Brookside are very smooth, and luckily Brookside Boulevard is pretty smooth. So I go back and forth on that. They're nice gradual hills. Still not confident enough to really tackle a big hill. Yeah. When I uh, started doing some more skateboarding again and riding around our neighborhood and getting better going down hills. I ended up just having to bail into people's front yards multiple times. And those are the looks I got of just wiping out. And then people realizing I wasn't a kid uh, as a full grown man that was skateboarding and doing bails and rolling into their front yard, but I've gotten much better now. So it's good. It all, it was all worth it. It is really fun to regain your balance with a skill that you haven't done in a long time because it's, you know, the quote, like riding a bike, you know, it didn't come back the first time I strapped them on and rode around the block, (laughs) but slowly it's gotten easier and easier and better and better. Well, we're proud of you. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Okay. Should we get started? Let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. All right. Well, we started this conversation a couple days ago, and then we realized it was a much larger conversation. As we've talked a lot about future casting, most of the time we try to back it up with some figures and we try to keep each podcast on a particular topic. But today we decided that we'll kind of just issue some wide-ranging predictions for four different economic sectors. And it's going to start with what our confidence is in Made in KC's future, what our confidence is in Kansas City's economic future. And this is more short-term future. I'm talking, you know, one to four years, roughly than the retail sector as a whole and the United States as a whole. So we can take them in kind of any order. We started talking about it. We just realized that there was a lot to unpack. I think that this will be a really fun episode just because our opinions will probably change in two weeks as more information comes through. And if we're feeling a little optimistic one day, our response could be very different than a day where we've had some bad economic indicators released. You guys want to start small to big or big to small? Or I feel like we should start small and go big. Uh, I was leaning the opposite way, right? We zoom, zoom out and zoom, zoom in on ourselves. If there's if there's one thing I've learned is Keith is usually right and I'm usually wrong, so let's go that route. <laughs> no. we'll, we'll start we'll start big. All right, Keith. Well, how about you get us started? And we'll start with the U.S. economy. What is your confidence in the U.S.'s economic recovery in the next one to four years? Yeah. So as we talked about a lot this week, there's been a lot of doom and gloom news with regards to our economy and. And the current trajectory it's on, my overall outlook is that in the short term, so the next one to four years, that we will we will have a rebound and we will recover from this. Whatever economic indicators you want to use for that recovery, I think we'll, we'll think we'll hit those metrics. Jobs return, stock market back up, GDP growth in the next one to four years will happen. 
I do think, though, it's going to take a lot of ingenuity and creativity that we haven't seen in a long time. But based on our our country's past history, rising to the challenge of a catastrophe, whether it's war, whether it's a disaster, I have a hard time seeing us not rising to this occasion and leading through the recovery. So one of the things I'm super excited to see, I think will be a leading indicator for uh, giving confidence is, is just the shifts we're seeing in energy, and particularly green energy. And I think that can be a really great growth opportunity and be a springboard for our, our recovery. And so if you had to put a timeline on it, when do you think we hit pre-COVID-19 economic output levels again? Are you saying end of this year, end of 2021, end of 2022, further in the future? Pencil me in for end of 2021. Okay. My thought process is this, that we will start to see growth coming in the third quarter, probably late in the third quarter, and that steady continued growth will, will continue upward, and it will be slower and steady growth. Did you actually pencil me in? I saw you look down. I got it. Noted. You've been penciled. <laughs> I'll piggyback off that. I think I agree with your timeline for the most part. I think it's going to be pretty, I mentioned this before when we talked about it, but one of Jess's 403B things she gets from work that has some, a little bit of funds in it tells her whether her outlook is uh, sunny or cloudy. And so I've, ever since we got those, I've kind of started doing that with some of my forecasting as well. And I think it's going to be pretty cloudy until that ramp back up over the next 18 months. Uh, I also think it's going to be very sector focused on what starts to move and chug and start to grow and improve over that course of time and where other things will plateau and or decline during that time. And so obviously looking at the economy as a whole, there's going to be growth. And, and, and that's an obvious statement. I think that's almost always the case, but this is just such a unique situation where we're all affected now. I think we're going to be less all affected as time goes on with some change in habits and things like that. But for this, more than anything, I'm not a great economist and don't have a ton of education in it. But it is one of the things we've mentioned a lot is that it's good to look at the experts. And so I think for the most part, what I'm reading and seeing is that and it, recovery is anticipated in the not too distant future. I think Warren Buffett put it as the American magic will always find its way. <laughs> and so, uh, it's interesting to, you know, obviously there's a lot of stake in the, in that. And it's not a completely unbiased view, but I think there's a lot of wisdom there and a lot of knowledge there. So, uh, I agree. I think by the end of 2021, pencil me in a little bit after Keith Tyler, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe Q1 2022 or something like that, but. Got it. Well, yeah, you mentioned what other economists have said. I think the report that we had read in an earlier episode listed that most of them were thinking we would start to see the rebound. I want to say it was early or mid-2021 because they saw contraction through the first quarter of 2021, which is actually really scary because I think that's more than what people are hoping for. So I think that's a realistic view. But again, as we said, economists are notoriously bad at predicting the future. So I probably end up somewhere similar to you guys. I think I'm a little bit more pessimistic in the short term, but I agree with the long term proposition. I think the reason I'm more pessimistic short term is twofold. One, I don't have a ton of confidence in the way our federal government is handling things. And then two, I don't have a lot of confidence in the major corporations in America right now. So starting with our government, I had mentioned in another episode that I thought this was really time for an FDR-style stimulus package and a new Green Deal, as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has really pushed. I think that now, with so many people sidelined by work, this is the time to introduce a really big infrastructure package. We haven't seen that in the past couple of weeks. It was talked about for a little bit. But as you have all these people out of work, unemployment really high, the government's willing to spend a lot of money, willing to get money pretty cheap. 
why not reinvest in this infrastructure now, everything from roads to energy? As we know, our energy grid is extremely inefficient. And so this would be a really good time to make it more efficient in cities, connect people in rural areas in a better way and bring them up to speed with high-speed internet and other things like that. So that would give me a lot more confidence, but I don't see that necessarily happening with the current administration. And regardless of what happens in the fall, I think that DC will be able to be more productive following that election. On the corporation side, the reason I'm not extremely optimistic with our corporations is because of the statistics that we read two days ago, where 90% of all profits in the last 10 years have gone to shareholders. They haven't gone to reinvesting in innovations or into growth. To me, that's a vision problem. That means that the corporate America lack vision right now. And I think that's why we've seen so many, many stock bubbles, whether it was things like augmented reality or fuel cells years ago or meal prep companies. We've seen all these little bubbles where there's a little bit of excitement and all of a sudden just investors flood money into the meal prep market. And then you have things like Blue Apron go public and then go bust. Or you see all the new like Caspers of the world raise a ton of money and then kind of just lose the valuation in a really short period of time. And again, I think that this goes back to a big problem of vision. We don't have leaders right now who are focused on the future and creating really dynamic, interesting projects that pull us into the next century. We're a little too focused on, sorry, Thomas, as an accountant, we're a little too focused on bean counting and just controlling costs and making sure that no one makes any mistakes. And you get a lot of haters about that bean conning review. I think we have a high, a high uh, accounting population listening. So. Yeah, so I, I ended up getting a little more passionate about that one than I thought I would. I didn't realize I had so much to I say I like it. That. You make Keith and I sound a little bit dumb, but no, otherwise it's great. Yeah, yeah you, really, you really went into detail there. And I think – I think what you, what you highlighted were some of the things that I would, that I kind of maybe feel more intuitively is that I think we've, we've gotten our, not to undermine it, but both on the government side of things and corporate, we've gotten our teeth knocked out and that American magic that Warren Buffett, you know, talked about in his recent, I guess was letter to shareholders really hasn't been there in my opinion, the last, you know, through the, through the start of this pandemic, like we've really lost our way in terms of some of those ideals and dreams and leaders and visions we have. But with this, I think we'll create a sea change, hopefully starting before the election, uh, but then carrying on well after that. And I think it will take that new vision, new leadership to bring about these uh, to bring about the recovery. Yeah. So then moving moving into discussing the retail sector in particular and its current climate and potential rebounds. I feel like we are head over to the ground on the retail sector for a while now. And we've been doing this for five years. Not that long of a time, but I don't think any of us expected to find ourselves heavily invested in the retail sector. And then that's where we were. As we started paying really close attention, and we started looking at different trends, looking at different shopping centers, and seeing what was going to happen, choosing our locations accordingly. And so I do feel like we have a pretty good sense to speak on this intelligently. Saying that, what I'm about to say might not be that intelligent. But we've had this, and I've shared this with you guys, and I think you have it too. I just I think I'm a little more vocal about it or passionate about it. And this whole potential uh, fat trimming trend that's going to be happening in the retail sector. And I was discussing this before any of the pandemic was happening. Uh, and I think mentally my timeline, whether I ever shared it or not, was kind of a five to 10 year view, probably because that's a lot of where the leases we are signing have in terms of a term. And so that's kind of the, the mental capacity of what I have to process what's happening in the retail sector. And my thought process was that retail isn't going anywhere as a sector, obviously. Uh, but what's that going to look like? 
I've always thought we're going to see a big shift into a lot of companies going bankrupt, um, a lot of shopping centers looking a lot different than they do now, maybe more green spaces, maybe more common spaces, and then more experiential, highly customer service focused brick and mortar retail as part of those. And I think that this pandemic is simply accelerating that for us in some ways, way faster than I thought, uh, like immediately companies are filing bankruptcy right now. And, you know, we've only been in this thing for 45, 60 days. And so, uh, they've just said, Hey, let's do it. Pull the rug out. We're done. But I, to be honest with you, think that we're going to see a lot more of that over the next 18 months as companies that aren't filing bankruptcy are taking on a lot of debt to not file bankruptcy right now. And then there's going to have to be repaying that debt. And the climate's not going to allow them to pay that debt back in the next 18 months to 24 months. And I don't know how everyone, Macy's, for example, is one that people thought might file bankruptcy. And then they came like, nope, we're not going anywhere. We just took on, I think, $500 million in debt to make sure we keep going. I have no idea the exact structure of that. Maybe they don't have to pay anything back in the next 24 months. But I'm highly concerned about that kind of restructuring for a company that needs to bring on that kind of debt just to survive this and how they're going to pan out over the next year to two years. So, Tyler. I completely agree with that in that it's scary that debt is so cheap right now that a lot of companies can get super leveraged up to save themselves. I think you're right. We're going to see a lot more culling of this industry in the next year that has been completely expedited, but I don't think it's going to be sufficient to really reset the course. And I wish it was. I think, though, that we'll see the seedlings of that process in the next 18 months. So I think we're going to see some things that'll be completely new and different in the retail industry that might pave a way into the future. And so then the next time there's a shakeup, um, people will look to the things that we learned from this pandemic and realize, okay, that was a good way to rebuild. One example, as places like Neiman Marcus just declare bankruptcy, a lot of this restructuring, you're going to look at who owns all this institutional debt. And it's going to be places like CalPERS, which is California's pension fund. And as they look to take ownership or take a greater equity position in these companies because they can't recoup their initial investment, I hope that some of those big institutional investors will rethink what they do with those investments. One thing that I would really like to see is changing the expectations of returns for retail shopping centers. As we've discussed in other episodes, retail shopping centers keep on changing hands again and again and again. People buy them, they fix them up, they sell them, they kick out old tenants, they put in new tenants who can charge more. You get naive people who come in and pay higher and higher rents. And every time you take on a bigger mortgage, you have to get more money out of your tenants. And all of a sudden, the tenants then have to get more money out of the stuff that they're selling. And it's kind of run away with itself. I would love to see a group like CalPERS be like, hey, okay, now that we own a bunch of these shopping centers or you know, big institutional investors, I'd like to see if they could sell them back to municipalities and say, hey, city of Kansas City, we're going to give you this little strip mall in downtown KC or or North Kansas City and let you guys take it over and run it in a different model. That to me would be fascinating. And I don't know how many other macroeconomic trends like that that we could see. And I'm guessing that that's probably not even going to happen. I just wish it would. That would be really, really exciting so that we could learn some completely new out-of-the-box models as to how we can approach this sector. Otherwise, I think we'll see a lot of little small detail changes where, again, a shopping center that used to be 70% retail and 30% entertainment will now be 70% entertainment and only 30% retail. Is that sunny or cloudy? Great question. I think I'm a little cloudy. <laughs> Tiny bit of sun peeking through. Yeah, see, I think the the way maybe I diverge a little bit from you guys is that I think some of the 
and some of the cloudiness that you're describing, I think is actually good. And I think it paves way for a sunnier future or a sunnier outlook on retail. So, you know, Thomas, you made the mention of um, having shopping centers with more green space, right? That leans into having the a more robust shopping experience where you are going to socialize and interact and to be known and, and make yourself known as you as you then to go about your your shopping experience. And I think that creates a, just a more positive environment than uh, strip mall after strip mall after strip mall that we created in the 80s and 90s that are just carbon copies of each other. There's no unique identity in there. You don't get a sense of, you don't really don't get a sense of purpose when you're shopping there. You're just, you're just transacting. And I think the direction that retail needs to go and has been going, albeit slowly, and maybe now this is the accelerating turning point, is creating those more meaningful shopping experiences, the more experiential shopping experiences, and really making people, really providing that greater sense of community over and above the transaction. I think that's a positive, really sunny change for for us. And so while you might have a shopping center that's 30%, you know, goods, the other 70% is real essential services that are needed and other other types of entertainment that provide a, a really increased quality of life. And so to me that's that's sunny. Now how that how that connects to our consumer driven economy might change a little bit. And I think some of the the levels of consumerism that we've had over there you know, our, the growth, I guess, even post-World War II growth, I think we found it just simply not, not sustainable, right? So when you have a month of shutdowns where you can't buy what you normally buy at the rate you normally used to buy it and everything comes apart because of that, I think that's revealing an elemental flaw in how our economy is built. And I guess part of the retail industry, and this is now going to sound like a really obvious thought, but is very tied to the economic recovery on the whole. And if we see a more equitable recovery where there's less inequality, then that'll really change the amount of purchasing power that Americans have. And so right now, we know that a lot of our product is not the right price point for all of Kansas City. But if all of Kansas City was paid a higher wage, then it would increase our pool of customers by a significant amount. And so potentially, maybe that makes the future of retail a little bit more sunny. Yeah, I think when you look at it from a winners and losers standpoint, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of losers in order for there to be some really good winners. And then in that group of winners is is the customer, uh, not necessarily the the stakeholder or the player in the retail sector. So that's, it's hard for me to give it a, a sunny forecast knowing how much <laughs> uh, potential collapse I think there's going to be in order to f- pave that path. But I, I get what you're saying. It's long run, long term, there's going to be benefits and that's how things should work. Uh, they should evolve in a, in a way that arcs towards rights and arcs towards being better. But unfortunately, that requires some destruction in the process. Right. Yeah. Because the way we had been doing it was just geared towards, as we mentioned earlier, you know, profits going to shareholders and not back into necessarily new technologies, new opportunities, new investments or higher wages. Um, and so that's something that definitely needs to needs to change. And it will take a lot of pain before getting to that point. Right. Well, I'll dive in next to Kansas City because that one seems a, a little easier. <laughs> I think that cost of living is going to play a really big role in the recovery. And I think that Kansas Cityans will feel this hit a little bit less than other places where to buy your first home, you had to take on a lot more debt or where your normal cost of living is just much more expensive. And because our prices are less inflated than some other cities, I think it'll be easier for us to recover. Yeah, the other thing that gives me a sunnier outlook in Kansas City and other parts of the country is that I do think we have a pretty well-diversified economy. You know, we're home to two major auto manufacturing facilities. 
one of which makes the most popular car in the country, the Ford F-150. But we also have a really great healthcare system and healthcare corridor. We have a great philanthropic community here in Kansas City. We're home to a lot of America's household names, whether that's Hallmark, Russell Stover's, even H&R Block to a certain extent for those who get their taxes done with them. And those are all very different industries that are all based out of this smaller Midwest metropolitan area. And because of that, one sector might get hit. So we saw that in in 07 with with the auto industry, but we weren't affected as much because of that, because we weren't all auto the way other parts of the country may have been. And so that gives me really good confidence that we can ride out certain things in a, in a different manner than other other metros of our size or even bigger. And also we've seen because of um, a little bit because of the way the, the coronavirus spreads here, we haven't been hit quite as hard yet because of how our city's laid out. Oddly enough, our terrible public transportation is actually helping us during this time. Yeah. And, uh, and because of that, I think we'll be able to recover or not not get knocked down as far as other cities because of our metro layout and different Midwestern habits we have here that are unique unique to us. Two smiling sons looking to you, Thomas. Is there a third? <laughs> yeah, so I, I definitely agree with you guys said. And I think my it's harder for me to do this one, admittedly, because we are so uh, so intimate and real for us. And so uh, I'm a bit pessimistic, again, as looking at duration of time in that you know, if we're talking about the end of two years from now, I definitely give it a sunny. But uh, the rest of 2020, I do have more of a cloudy outlook in terms of how things. And I mentioned this before, and it's it's still standing true when you just hit on it earlier, Tyler, about rents and competition. But I, not many businesses are built to operate in cash flow at 60 percent business or 70 percent business even. And when we're talking about dipping below a line of profitability, across the board so easily because of lower traffic and less people being allowed in spaces. And I don't necessarily see an end to that in the immediate future. Uh, it's tough to see a really positive upturn in 2020. That being said, I, I do think I do think we'll find ways to make it work. I think there'll be some trimming of some fat here in Kansas City, which is not a great thing for those companies, but potentially will allow for some more breathing room for these companies that continue and, and continue to operate and then come Early 2021, mid 2021, we could see that uptick start to happen and, and be back at full swing by the end of that year, kind of on the same timeline as the U.S. economy, in my opinion. But I could be swayed either direction in that as yeah. well. Yeah, that one's hard to predict. There was a New Yorker article, or maybe it was New York Times, but something, there's some headline that was funny that a friend sent to me, and it was something along the lines of, Everyone's going to be picking up and moving to Kansas where they can buy a house with a yard, you know, and like have space, et cetera, and just like live a more relaxed, safe lifestyle. I mean, I'm completely bastardizing what was actually said, but something along those lines. I think I, I, said, I said that to you. Oh, nice. That seems right. <laughs> and I see an equal likelihood that businesses with operations in Kansas City where their headquarters is somewhere else might say, okay, we have to consolidate. Let's get rid of our Kansas City office. But then at the same time, businesses that are looking to expand or move might say, okay, let's go where it's cheaper. And I don't know which of those forces will win out. How many satellite offices we have that we'll lose versus how many new locations we'll get because people recognize the low cost of entry into the market. Yeah, it's a good point, Tyler. I don't know either. Um, But before we move on to Made in KC specifically, I want to know your guys' timelines related to what you guys said for the U.S. economy. So, Keith, you were end of 2021, I believe, and then Tyler and I came in slightly after you. I'm kind of tying mine to my same timeline as the U.S. economy. 
very, very challenging question. I realize I'm just curious where your heads are at with it. Yeah, I think that we, I think that we're in for a, a rough, hard, hot summer here in Kansas City. But I do think we'll see those glimmers of hope and start to recover come come the fall for a lot of reasons, but mostly because of Chiefs football making a comeback. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I think we'll I think we will learn to cooperate better as a metro area over the course of the summer. I think we'll we'll see a lot more of those um, whether it's uh, PPP in place, more testing in place, a lot more things to make it more and more to give our citizens more and more confidence in, in coming out and doing the right thing. And I think we've always had a really good solidarity here. So I see us here in Kansas City um, feeling more normal, feeling more "quote unquote" recovered by I said by, by this time next year. Okay, I like it. I think that Kansas City is going to be hit a little less hard, but it's going to take longer for us to recover. So I don't think we're going to be hit as hard as a lot of different places for many of the reasons that we already listed. But I do think our recovery is going to be a little bit slower, but ultimately it will be more robust. So I think it'll lag a little bit behind the U.S., but we won't be hit as hard. So our chart will graph a less deep recession, but then it'll take a little bit more time to get up to normal. But then once we get up to normal, we will grow at a faster rate than the rest of the U.S. for the next couple of years for all those same reasons. I knew the uh, hand signal drawn chart were coming out as Tyler was talking, and and then eventually it came out. So for those of you who can't see, which is everybody, Tyler uh, Tyler draws charts with his hands often, and they've always made sense. They're the help. It looks like it coming on that one. It looked like we were riding in the car during a nice hot summer day, and my hand was outside just just cruising. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think too we're going to see a we're going to see a little bit of a not just on the corporate side but on the individual side of people moving back to the Midwest. I think there was a, a little bit of a trend of that already happening. Um, but I think this is, this is going to accelerate. I mean, if anything, uh, uh, having Kim on the podcast yesterday is going to help that when she talked about how luxurious her, her Kansas city home was <laughs> compared to her New York apartment. Yeah. Um, but I think there's going to be a little bit of like, I want to be close to my family. Uh, I don't, I don't need all this hustle and bustle in the big city and I can, I can do all this great work, whether it's remotely or starting a new business here in the Midwest and, I think it's going to play into our favor. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's quickly move on to Made in Kansas City specifically, and probably less thorough here because no one cares as much about this one as us three do. So, it'll <laughs> but uh, it, I think I think as we talk about it, I think it's good to extract that we we are a small business in Kansas City with roughly you know seventy employees, and then potentially other companies can extrapolate. Um, what we're thinking about our company into what potentially could affect theirs or um, other companies they know in the area. When do you want to dive in? Sure. I, I think that local will fare reasonably well. I think we're going to see a lot of local companies decide to bow out. We've already seen that, but I don't know what the rate is of local companies bowing out versus new local companies coming into the market in the past five or 10 years. I think that overall we've seen clearly an increase of local companies over that duration, but I don't know at what rate. I do think that this has shaken Kansas Cityans, and as we try to figure out which places we want to patronize and where we want to put our dollars um, as a vote to say, hey, I really hope that this establishment makes it through and is here on the other end and I can keep on coming here, I do think that they'll be supported. So I think that the local companies will fare well, and while they won't all survive, those that continue to operate in a smart, safe, and conservative way will be able to ride this out. Now, it won't be easy, and some well-operated companies, I'm sure, will just decide that it isn't worth it. But with that in mind, 
as a company that fits into that category, I do feel very confident about what we are doing and feel very confident about our recovery. I don't think we're going to have 2019 sales revenues in 2020, but I think by 2021, we'll be completely recovered. Count that as a sunny. We got one sunny. Keith, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, I think because of yeah, sort of the things to piggyback what Tyler said, I definitely have a sunny outlook for us. One, um, not just being the fact that we are a, a local company sourcing local goods, which I think, you know, not only tugs at the at the heartstrings of, of customers, but it has just a real important meaning to what what is happening here in the city and the artists that we support, because each one of those artists is part of another network, another community um, that wants to see them succeed and them thrive. And so I think because of that, it gives it a yeah, it, it really helps in, in a time like this with uh, whether it's takeout Tuesdays or Casey runs on hospitality. We've seen people really want to support their favorite local places on the on the food industry side. And I think that would go the same for local shops. We offer things that in many cases can't be found anywhere else, not just in Kansas City, but in the entire world. And so I think that makes us really unique in that sense. And so for those, some of those reasons and many more, I think that we will obviously not going to see the sales we had last year, but we are still going to come out of this. I think, I think a healthier, leaner and even more, more productive company than we were before. We've already seen some of that in the last 45 days with all the initiatives and other things we've been working on and the quick pivots we've been able to make. I also think that some of the moves we've been making with getting more connected to Kansas City's food and beverage scene, whether that's coffee, beer, wine, or liquor, will play an important role in us recovering. It allows us to have different opportunities and to touch customers in different ways through through coffee service, through bar service, and really connect with Kansas City in a different way. And so someone who's buying a, a candle has a little bit different buying habits than someone who buys their coffee every day. And I think we've been able to, to merge those and we'll only do that better going forward just to allow us to create that community and build on that Kansas City entrepreneurial spirit through what we're doing at Made in KC. So I think in that sense, we will be not without pain, but we'll be stronger in the long term for it. Um, also, the different products we have lined up are really exciting, whether it's the trolley going in the river market, which is prime for, for walk-up service in a time like this, or uh, a more robust marketplace out in Lee Summit where we'll be looking to build community and really provide that great retail experience for customers will set us up for success in 2021. You heard it here first on the Made in Casey podcast, episode 41. Oh, shoot. Was I not supposed to say something? <laughs> I think it's great. Oh, damn. We haven't really publicized the Lee Summit Marketplace. Trolley's been publicly known. It's all right. Lee Summit. Lee Summit, we're coming for you. (laughs) Climbing that summit. Uh, No, that's good points, Keith. I'll I'll keep mine brief. First one that could be a very controversial statement I've heard before, but it's always stuck with me, and it's that businesses don't fail. People give up. And I have so much faith in this team, the three of us, but more than that, just this team that we have that's been working through this pandemic and – we're a resilient group, and I just have so much faith in us getting through this and, and doing incredible things with it. And no matter how hard it's going to be, I think it's going to be very hard. All the faith in the world that we're going to like come out of this thing on top eventually. So one, that. And then two, I had someone ask me the other day, like, oh, man, are, are a lot of the companies you guys work with and products you sell, are they throwing in the towel? Are they folding? And I thought about it, and it's almost the opposite. I think we're going to see... Unfortunately, some people that have more time on their hands and potentially get creative and have a new, I think Keith hit on this a little bit, surgeons of products that comes out of this uh, renaissance of sorts. And so some people are going to be relying on this maker scene even more than they were before. And it's going to create more products and more competition. And I think that creates better results for us sometimes. So I think our 
or make a community that we try and support is going to thrive. And hopefully we are there to serve them as best we can for it. But I am definitely sunny on Made in KC. Three sons for Made in KC. <laughs> All right. Are we full of ourselves or what? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you guys have any predictions for us, we would love to hear them. Let us know where our economic forecasts are wrong. Again, we'll try to revisit this one later because I'm sure our thoughts and opinions will change in the coming weeks and months. So you can email us at hello at madeinkc.co and you can tweet us at madeinkc underscore. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Thank you.